listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Today we continue our series, Falling Fruit. And last week, we looked closely at the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and how the habitual sin in Abraham's uh, life was passed on to his son Isaac and eventually his grandson Jacob. It just it kept following the family because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. But how many of you are thankful to God that our families don't have to define us? Amen? What we came through, who we came from, does not have to define us. By the power of God and His grace, we can overcome the generational curses that haunt our families. Amen? Now listen, I don't know where you're at with that. You you might be like, I don't believe in generational curses. We just have some issues we have to deal with. I don't care what you call it. You can call it generational curse. You can call it an issue. You can call it a stronghold if you want to, but I'm telling you, there are things that attach themselves to our families, and we've got to have the courage to stand up and break those things. Amen? Amen. And by God's grace, we can. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. I will be there in just a moment, but when I get there, I'm not going to stop. So you need to go ahead and get your Bible open. You need to get your digital device open. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6 because when I hit it, we're just going to keep rolling right with it. Deuteronomy chapter 6. While you're turning there, let me ask you this question. How many apples grow on a tree? How many apples grow on a tree? The answer is all of them. All of the apples. Every apple grows on a tree. Not necessarily the same tree, but they all grow on trees. Now, hear me, because some of you are going to get lost, and I I want you to stay with me on this. God created vegetation in such a way that fruit trees produce fruit in their likeness. There are just certain things that God put in motion that you cannot change. And and this is one of those things. There, There is a law here, and when God speaks, it becomes law, and it does not change. And so God spoke, and I'm going to show it to you in Scripture in just a moment. And, and he determined that, that trees will produce fruit in their likeness. They can't do anything else. It's going to produce fruit in its likeness. You would not plant an apple tree and expect an orange to grow on it. That's ludicrous. You wouldn't expect that. Or you wouldn't plant an orange tree and expect to get lemons. You're crazy if you think that's how it works. When I look at an apple tree, I see applesauce. My daughter, since a little girl, she loves applesauce. She still does. So when I look at an apple tree, I see applesauce. I see apple butter. Second service is always rough because we're getting hungry, right? (laughs) When I look at an apple tree, I see McDonald's fried apple pies. Anybody remember the fried apple pies? Now, let some of you are raising your hands, and you're way too young. You think you know what you're talking about. You have no idea because you've been raised on the McDonald's baked apple pies. And there's a big difference. The baked apple pies fail in comparison to the fried apple pies. How many of you truly remember the fried apple pies? Man, they were amazing. I mean, it was one of the, the greatest, greatest culinary creations ever, <laughs> ever. In 1968, McDonald's introduced these amazing delights that were created in the kitchens of heaven and bestowed upon humanity. (laughs) However, however, in 1992, health trends were were steering people away from from fried foods 
And, and everybody was starting to get healthier. And, and in just a matter of years, the McDonald's fried apple pies were gone. And it was, it was an evil scheme because I guess, here's what I think happened. I think they had a lot of inventory and they knew that the way that, that all the conversation and all the articles and, and all the newscasts and everybody, the way everybody was going healthy, and that worked out great, didn't it? But the way it was going, I think they had a lot of inventory that they had to get rid of. So, so right before they took them away from us, they started offering them two for one. You could pay one dollar and get two fried apple pies. And so we all got addicted to them. I mean, because who's just going to buy one when you can get two? And so we started, it, man, that, that crispy, that crunchy, mm. that, let's just pray and go. I just want to. <laughs> and so they took them away from us, except in Hawaii. Hawaii still has McDonald's fried apple pies. It's, num- it's, it's reason number 716 on why I want to move to Hawaii. So for the next few moments, I'm going to take you through the other 715 reasons on why I want to move to. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that to you. But listen, I know I'm on a rant here, but, but when I see an apple tree, that's what I see. I see a fried apple pie. I, I don't look at an apple tree and see orange juice because it's impossible. I don't look at an apple tree and see lemon meringue pie. It doesn't work that way. And it started in Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. It's a law. God put it in motion. It doesn't change. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. God said, if you're an apple tree, you're going to produce apples. If you're an orange tree, you're going to produce oranges. If you're a lemon tree, you're going to produce lemons. And he said, it will not change. And the word of God says, and that is what happened. God designed trees in such a way that they will produce fruit the same as the fruit on the trees of which they came. So, so all of that is, is shared with you because I, I, I need to ask this question. Why then do parents live life one way and they hope and they pray that their offspring will be better than they were? Because you're not going to get an orange from an apple. Whatever fruit you're bearing here is the fruit you're going to produce here. So parents, why? Why do we live life in such a way that we know that we've got these, these faults? We know we've got these characteristics that need to change. Why do, we, why do we live life in such a way and then we expect someone else, like, like I hope the pastor or the youth pastor or the coach or the teacher, somebody, somebody's going to get a hold of my child. It's not their responsibility. Yes, sometimes it takes a village, but they need to build upon the foundation that you have placed in their lives. And it's time that we as parents realize that and we say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and not expect anybody else to do it. So why? Parents, why? Why do we live life this way and we expect to get different results? Why do we expect our children to be better than we were? It's the classic phrase, do as I say and not as I do. And I'll tell you, it's the most hypocritical phrase that a parent can use because your kids see right through it. You might not say it, but that's the way you're living. Do what I said. And, 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 and we expect them to live that out. But your children can see a hypocrite. They can smell a hypocrite. They know one. And, and you're not changing who they are and their character. And they're going to become just like you. 
Whatever fruit we want to produce in the lives of our children must intentionally fall off the tree of the same fruit. In other words, you can't pray for a, a sweet apple of your eye but live your life like some sour lemon tree because you're going to produce sour lemons. You will produce the same fruit that you live out because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, neither does the lemon, neither does the orange. It just, that's the way it works. Last week, we dealt with the orchard that produced you, the family tree. That's what we talked about last week. I told you last week, I said, I'm not even getting into your kids and your grandkids. That, that's this week. Last week, it was all about what you came through, what you came from. It was about your family tree. And, and, and we dealt with and, and hopefully helped you understand how you became the person you are and why you have the struggles today that you have. Hopefully, we shed some light on that and you begin to understand a little bit more of, of why you have to struggle with certain things, why you have certain fights in your life. And, 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 and today, today it, it's about the fruit that you will produce. It's about your kids and their kids and their kids. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and your grandchildren. I, 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 I want you to see this, okay? We can't move forward until you see this. He says, you... And your children and your grandchildren. How many generations? Say it louder. He says, you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you. And you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. He says, listen, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God. And, and watch this. This is important. With all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength. There's that number again. It's, it's the number three. This is going to be important today. With all of your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. He says, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. The Lord your God will soon bring you into the land he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it is a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods you did not produce. You will draw water from cisterns you did not dig, and you will eat from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. When you have eaten your fill in this land, be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Let's go down to verse 20. He says, in the future, your children will ask you. Now, let me just pause there. Because how many of you know children ask questions, right? I mean, they start at a young age. They just start asking questions. And it's cute at first. Why? Why, Mommy? Why, Daddy? Why? 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 It's always why. And they just ask questions. And, and you try and steer them away from that conversation. They have a way of bringing it back. They're, they're just smart. God created 
children smarter than parents at times. I don't know why. But they, they just they know how to get you back into it. They'll sucker you right back in. The older they get, they keep asking questions. And, and, and it gets a little irritating. But by the time they're a teenager and they ask why, you just want to knock their head off their shoulders, right? It's like, don't, don't question me again. Do what I say. Do what I say. And I'm telling you that, that that model of parenting doesn't work. You just can't look at a kid and just say, do what I'm telling you to do without any why. You've got to give them the reasons why. You've got to explain to them the reasons why. Mandy and I, we always parented this way. We always wanted them to understand. It's not just no, it is no because of this. This is what we're protecting you from. This is, is what is holy. This is what is right. This is the way we want you to go, and here's the reason why. And so he says, in the future, your children will ask you, what is the meaning of these laws, decrees, and regulations that the Lord our God has commanded us to obey? Listen, there's coming a moment, even in the most Christian of households, that your kids are going to say, why do we have to do it that way? Why does the Bible say this? Why? He says, verse 21, then you must tell them. And this is where, parents, your testimony comes into play. You've got to be willing to testify to your children on where you were and where Christ brought you to. Don't be afraid to testify to your children. Because sometimes they can learn from your mistakes. Sometimes they need to know that Christ has done a work in your life and you're not who you used to be. And he says, then you must tell them, and here's their testimony. We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with his strong hand. The Lord did miraculous signs and wonders before our eyes, dealing ter terrifying blows against Egypt and Pharaoh and all his people. He brought us out of Egypt so he could give us this land he had sworn to give our ancestors. And the Lord our God commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear him so he can continue to bless us and preserve our lives as he has done to this day. For we will be counted as righteous when we obey all the commands the Lord our God has given us. You hear that? When we obey the commands, the decrees, the statutes that God has given us, that's when we are counted righteous, okay? And, and, and I love these verses. Listen, church, I love these verses. And, and I chose to even use them today during the child dedication because it, it puts a responsibility on the parents, like you've got a responsibility to guide them, to lead them, to answer the questions and to tell them the whys. You've got a responsibility to share with them God's greatness in your life. It's your responsibility. It's not anybody else's responsibility. But I want to take us back to verse 2. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 2. Because here it is. You and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God. I told you last week that I was going to show you how to break this curse in your family. Whatever it is that's been haunting your family and following for generations and generations and generations, I'm, I'm going to show you this. Some of you, you've heard me teach this in the past, but I'm going to expound on this today because this is so important for us. Three is the key number. Because three generations, it's the key to breaking the strongholds that have plagued our families. What you have to understand is that nothing in Scripture is by chance. It's all divinely ordered by God. Therefore, when we run across numbers, you have to understand they mean something in Scripture. And throughout the Scriptures, numbers play a significant role. Like, like 10, the number 10, it represents testing. 
represents testing all throughout God's word. There, there were the ten plagues against Egypt. God, God was testing Pharaoh with each one. The number ten constantly represents testing. There were ten virgins. They were tested to see if they would be ready. Ten. Ten commandments. It's a testing. Seven represents completion. Anytime you see the number seven, it, it, it is complete. It is divinely complete. The number six represents humanity. Always falling short of seven. Always falling short of perfection in, in, in Christ. Completion in Christ. Always falling short. Three represents godly perfection. And, and we see this. The Godhead Trinity is made up of three. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus rose from the grave on day what? Come on. Day three. He is described in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 4 as the one who is, the one who was, and the one who is to come. It's not by chance. I'm telling you. It, it, it says that for a reason. Because it is divinely per perfect. It, it, is, it is godly perfection. The one who is, the one who was, the one who is to come. Now, now, just guess with me. I mean, I, I promise you they could answer this in, in kids' church today. How many generations it takes to break generational curses? Three. And Satan is scared that in every family there is a possibility. I'm, I'm telling you, there's a possibility in your family. And, and it frightens him. The reason why he's attacking you is because he's afraid of the possibility of, of three generations of righteous seed. Because he loses his grip. He loses his stronghold once you have three generations of righteous seed. It's, why, it, it's the reason why the Bible reiterates over and over and over again that God is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Time and time again throughout Throughout God's word, it, it, it constantly repeats that. Now understand, we studied them last week. We know that they were not perfect men. But in the end, they learned to trust God. Those three men had their battles. They had their fights. They, they had things that they were dealing with that was passed down through the generations. But in the end, they learned to trust God. Therefore, God often refers to them as he's talking about his covenant with Israel and his covenant with people. He always refers back to those three. Genesis, I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 3 and verse 6. He says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. You go down to verse 15. It says, God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors. He could have left it there, but, but he gets specific. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. Exodus 6 and 8. I will bring you into the land I swore to give Abraham Isaac and Jacob. God said, I made a covenant with all three of them, and I'm going to live up to that. Um, let's go to Leviticus 26 and 42. Then I will remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham, and I will remember the land. I don't know why, but he took him backwards probably just to throw you off a little bit. But still, all three are listed. Deuteronomy 9 and 5. The Lord your God will drive these nations out ahead of you only because of their wickedness and to fulfill the oath he swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 1 Kings 18, 36. At the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel. Time and time again, he refers back 
to the, that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You get over to the New Testament, and Jesus mentions this trio. Matthew 8 and 11, and I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 22, verses 31 and 32. But now, as to whether there will be a resurrection of the dead, haven't you read about this in the scriptures? Long after... Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died. God said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. There is something about three consecutive generations that gets the attention of heaven. And more than that, I'm telling you, it breaks the stronghold of the enemy. And Satan fears three consecutive, three successive generations of righteousness in every family. Because if it happens, he loses his grip, he loses his foothold in that family. Paul wrote in his second letter to Timothy, chapter 1, verse 5. He said, I am reminded, he's talking to young Timothy, and he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. Why was he calling that back? He said, I need you to understand, Tim, there are three consecutive generations of righteousness Hebrews chapter 7, verses 5 through 9, there's this strange passage of Scripture that doesn't make sense until you understand this. Because in Hebrews chapter 7, it tells us that Levi paid tithes for, for three generations before he ever showed up on the planet through the loins of his grandfather Abraham. He wasn't even alive, and, and the New Testament tells us that he paid the tithe long before he was born through Abraham. God counted Levi's tithe for three generations before he was birthed onto the planet because his great-grandfather Abraham brought tithe to the priest Melchizedek. Levi was blessed. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Levi was blessed because his great-grandfather Abraham was a righteous man. Okay, you're not getting it. What I'm telling you is God will not only bless you he will bless your seed because of the righteous acts that you do. That when you put your trust in God, when you put your faith in God, it's not just blessing your life. God is going to use that to bless the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. If we'll get that in our minds, if we'll start living life that way, we will shed all, all, all of the self-righteousness that we have. We'll certainly uh, get, get rid of uh, all, all of the, 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 the feelings that, it, you know, I've got to keep it for myself. I've got to hoard it for me. We are some of the most selfish people. It's been that way since the beginning of humanity. But when we start living not just for ourselves, but for future generations, we, we shed that. No longer will, will we be worried about just us. We will be worried about the generations that will come after us. Levi was blessed before he was even born. God counted the tithe that his great-grandfather paid on his behalf. Psalm 37 and 25 says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. Who was righteous? And their children won't have to beg for bread because of it. What you have to understand is that what I do right now, it affects the future generations to come. What I do right now affects my children and my grandchildren. And some of you need to, to come to grips with it. You're either passing along iniquity, sin, 
you're either passing along iniquity or equity. And you've got to ask yourself, what, what am I sowing? What am I investing into the next generation? Righteousness, holiness. Some of you, you need to be investing peace. You need to let the torment of the enemy that has been invading your head, it is affecting your home, it's affecting your children. You need to let the peace of the Holy Spirit flow through you and let that affect the generations to come after you because they're learning it. They're crazy like you. They're learning it from you. They're losing their minds because parents are losing their minds. What are you going to pass along? Is it going to be sin or is it going to be favor? Is it going to be the blessings of God or the cursings of the enemy? Which one are you passing along? And so I'm going to ask this, and band, you guys can come up because they're not interested in what I'm saying, I don't think. So I want to ask you this. What sin are you committing right now that may influence your family for two or three generations to come? It's hard. It's hard. But it's not just about you anymore. What sin are you committing right now? What stronghold does the enemy have in your life that is going to to affect the generations to come? Ecclesiastes 4 and 12 tells us, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. I'm looking for three generations of righteousness, three generations that put their trust in God. Now understand this, I'm not telling you that they don't have struggles. All three of those generations will continue to fight. They will continue to battle. They're, those strongholds, the enemy, the, the enemy knows that once, once those three generations conquer it, that it is now eliminated from that family. And some of you, your generation three, and he has launched an all-out attack on you because he knows he's about to lose it. And it will never be a problem for your family again. Some of you are number two right now. And, 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 and you're, you're, you're stuck right in the middle of this fight. And some of you are generation one. And you're just starting the battle. But somebody's got to. If somebody doesn't, doesn't draw a line in the sand and say, it's for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. If somebody doesn't say, as I told you last week, it stops with me. It stops with me. It stops now. If somebody doesn't do it, you'll never be on the track to victory. So here's the key. If you can get three consecutive generations, but learn how to overcome the sins of past generations, and they'll fight that battle for, 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 the, for the next generation, for the fourth generation. If you can get three in a row, you'll get a clean break. That fourth generation will get a clean break. Caleb, I hate to ask you this. Can you bring me knocks? at the FWRC have been asking to see him anyway. Zoom in right here, center camera. Just zoom in and let the women see him. I'm so excited about this. 
because it's finally come to light for me. My father, Jack McKinley, he recognized the importance of breaking generational strongholds. He's the one that said, it stops with me. I did some stupid things in high school. I'll admit it. Alcoholism runs in my family, and there, there were moments where I used to drink quite a bit. But even before I graduated high school, I recognized that addictions run in my family. And I said, I'm, I'm not going down this path. And I made a decision. And I stopped. I was not going to succumb to that. Now I've got my son, Caleb. Caleb's living a, an addiction-free life. That means we have three generations of righteous seed. Doesn't mean it's not without a fight. Like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We, it's a fight sometimes. It's a battle. Those demons want to raise their ugly heads sometimes, and, and you've got to have that willingness to say, no, no, I'm not going to give in because this isn't just about me. But starting with my father, next with me, and now with my son. Son, we've got to fight this thing. Because with us, it breaks the stronghold for Knox Anders McKinley. And he will never have to battle the same addictions. He will never have to battle the same fights. And Satan will lose his grip on this family because of three righteous generations. But I, but I love what our text said. I love, I love it. Hey, buddy. for you man am I putting you to sleep I love you he's being really good and I'm, I think I'm stretching it so let's, let's do the responsible thing here I love you you go back to our text and it says you and your children and your grandchildren. And then it makes this promise. Listen to it. He says, when you walk into that, that land, that promised land, it says it's going to be a land with large, prosperous cities that you did not build. That means it's easy. It's easy to take the land. And you're going to enjoy the benefits that someone else has built for you. It says there's going to be houses there for you to enjoy that will be richly stocked with goods that you did not produce. It's easy. It's easy for that generation. It said you will draw water from cisterns, from wells that you did not dig. It's easy. And then it says you will eat from vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. It's easy. I'm living my life fighting against the temptations, fighting against the, the, the generational curses that have been bestowed upon my family. I'm telling you, I'm living my life so that Knox can live life easier. 
all it takes is three generations, church, three generations, and the curse is broken. My dad, my dad never had the opportunity to meet my grandson. My dad died in August of 2020. Knox was not born until October of 2022. My dad never had the chance to meet my grandson. But because of him, he started a cycle to set Knox up for success and my future grandchildren up for success. Dad started it. I'm continuing the fight. My children will continue the fight and it will be broken. Psalm 145 and 4 says, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. We're not fighting this for ourselves. We're fighting this for the future generations so that they won't have to battle the same fights that we do. I want to ask you to be very honest with me today. If there's battles, if there's struggles, if there's fights, and I'm letting you know, I'm, I'm the first one here that will admit it. If, if, if that's where it's at in your life and, and you know that you're in the middle of a fight, maybe your first generation, your second generation, or your third generation, whatever that looks like, if that's you and you're ready to fight so that the next generation can be free, if that's you, I want you to stand right now. Raise your hands to heaven, if you will. Prayers of the righteous availeth much, Lord. God, we just call out to you right now. I pray, Lord, for those that are the third generation in this room that's fighting this good fight. God, I pray right now that you would give them the strength to fight this all-out attack. The enemy is fighting harder right now against this third generation because he knows he's about to lose. So in the name of Jesus Christ, strengthen them. Let them fight. Let the Holy Spirit fight for them. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just break the strongholds. Every temptation, Lord, raise up a standard against it right now. God, I pray for the second generation in this room. They're in the middle of a fight that they didn't ask for. They're in the middle of a fight they didn't even know they were in. But God, now they see it. Help them realize, Lord, that though the complete and broken curse may be a ways off, it's necessary for them to fight right now. And God, I pray for that first generation. God, right now, they're starting a process. It has to start with someone. And you've called them to be the leader. Just as Jack McKinley was the leader, it started breaking the curse in my family. God, I pray right now for these first generation warriors. God, I pray that you will strengthen them. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray you'll give them more strength than they ever thought they had, Lord. And it's not their strength, but it's the power of Jesus Christ. God, I pray, Lord, that, that, 
they will not only minister to future generations, but past generations that, 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 that brought this sin upon them, Lord. I pray, Lord, that the, their life will be a testimony unto them, and they will not just see the salvation of future generations, but, Lord, they'll see the salvation of past generations. God, that will expedite the process. Because, Lord, I believe that you can call a past generation even to, 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 to begin fighting this fight against these, these temptations and against these, these curses, Lord. And so I denounce every generational stronghold, every curse in the name of Jesus Christ. It has to shatter. It has to be broken right now. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said amen. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.